0: Welcome to the Vanguard Bible Church podcast. For more information about Vanguard Bible Church visit www.vanguardbible.org or come worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. at Freedom Middle School in Northwest Bakersfield. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning uh, Vanguard Bible Church. Can you guys hear me good? Sweet! Well, that's excellent. Um, I thank you so much for letting me worship with you this morning, um, this uh, incredible time of worship, and to be honest, I think sometimes uh, it's not good when you have to preach after having great worship, and so, you know, there's a part of me, if I get teary-eyed, um, you know, I'll just say it's sweat, you know, because it's hot, you know, but um, yeah, I just want to continue to worship with you guys, it's just so incredible, and um, so hopefully, we're just going to continue to worship God by studying His Word this morning. And our passage is going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verses 16 and 17, if you want to start heading over there. now I do believe you will find this text to be so practical, like every other aspect of the Bible. There's going to be some part of this message, this text, that is just going to be so practical to your living, to your walk with Jesus, to To loving each other correctly and to loving Bakersfield and bringing them the gospel. So, these verses, I actually came across these verses, I think about two weeks ago now. Well, my family was on vacation. And so we were staying at a hotel. And of course, which means you sleep in hotel beds. And at least the hotels I can afford, the beds are terrible. And so I don't know if that's all of them. Um, But, and yeah, so I'm trying to get up and my back's killing me. And I. I can't even roll over, I'm trying to rock out of bed j- just to get out, I'm in so much pain, falling on the floor, and pulling myself up onto this wooden chair, and um, it, it's like it sounds, it's a wooden chair, and so, hadn't got any sleep the day before, because I was driving, hadn't had my coffee yet, and I go to the Bible to read my devotions, and I was in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and just saw the Lord spoke to me, and this is what, he, what it says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day, for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Now at first I kind of laughed to myself, because this is is too good, God, like, you're just calling me out for being in pain. Of course I know what it feels like to be wasting away. You know, even at 44 years old, I, I can definitely feel it. And then I was overcome. I mean, just, this, this is the verse that I needed to hear, that just, you know, especially from Paul, who, who had been through so much, as we're going to see, for this guy to offer this encouragement, a guy who's just been destroyed, to encourage me and, and to encourage us, and it's just so incredible. And it's an encouragement that we need to hear this morning, the encouragement to not lose heart. So how are you feeling today, Vanguard Bible Church? How are you guys feeling? You guys feeling good? Strong? Healthy? A little bit? So, yeah, no, right? <laughs> so do you get out of bed like me and realize every day, oh, a little stiffer. It's getting a little harder to get out of bed or, or roll out of a hotel bed. Or maybe like me, you get in front of the mirror every day and you gasp, right? It's like, oh, what? What's happening here? Or perhaps, perhaps, I'm looking around, a lot of good, you know, young, good-looking people, physically fit, even older people, physically fit. And so that sort of thing doesn't bug you at all, right? I mean, that, that's, I mean, you, you are ready for the physical aspect of life, but maybe it's the rest of the weight of life that's weighing you down. Maybe, you know, we call this heartache, heartbreak, and uh, losing heart, right? And so this can come from if you've ever broken up with somebody or lost a loved one. Or if people are talking, you know, some junk about you, it's horrific. It makes you feel horrible inside. You know, even worse, I mean, just looking at the last year and a half, um, I think you guys had it worse here in California than I did in Colorado, but just being locked inside for a year and a half, you know, having to watch the news, having to go through the toxicity of social media or any media, right? It's all horrible. I mean, there's just riots everywhere. If we leave the house, you know, we got to have masks on our face. And on top of that, the worst part is all of our, our worship is shut down. Again, I think it was worse here in California where, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if you guys were able to gather, but it's the worst. When we needed to gather the most and encourage each other and hug each other, we were told, hey, you can't even get together. And if you pass outside, you guys still have to be six feet apart. And so, in a situation like that, it's easy to lose heart. And so this morning, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17, we're going to get encouragement for our hearts this morning for both types of these issues, physical and emotional. The goal this morning is followers of Jesus. And if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're looking into this, and I hope you do follow Jesus, we're going to learn this morning how to not lose heart. The title of the sermon this morning is Living Lighthearted. Now, before we dive in, I just want to pray for us real quick. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for my brothers and sisters I get to meet today all the way you know, in California. Um, I thank you for their faithfulness, Lord. I just thank you um, for their welcoming uh, spirits, for letting me participate in their worship, Lord. Um, Lord, may our, our whole service this morning just be incense in heaven to you. May you just enjoy it. May heaven smell like Vanguard, because we love you, because you're awesome, Lord. And may your word help us to not lose heart this morning. Amen. All right, so let's start by looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. In the first half of the verse, it says, So we do not lose heart. And so we're going to stay here for a couple minutes because there's three things just in these opening words that we need to understand in order for us to progress so we know that where we are, where we are going, which means we need to know where we've been. So it says, so, or um, in your version it might say, therefore, right? And so what we know right off the bat is this is not the beginning of a conversation or an argument. This is like the end of it. Therefore, this is what I'm going to present to you. So at this point, let's kind of go back, because I know we're not studying in 2 Corinthians. What's happening in this book? So 2 Corinthians, this may sound confusing, is actually the third or fourth letter from Paul to the Corinthian church, right? So the Corinthian church, they are, they'd be like a sexy church. I mean, just as the church everybody wants to go to. I mean, it's big. It's near the coast. I mean, they're, they're just known for, I mean, they have multiple celebrity type pastors And they have all kinds of sin, right? Because that's why Paul's writing to them. They have all kinds of sin, including supporting all these celebrity pastors. So as you can imagine, if you were going to compare Corinth to a modern-day city, what might you compare it to? Pretty close neighbor, a little south? Do we hear LA, Los Angeles? Yeah, so basically, you know, a lot of commentators, especially, you know, people, you know, like MacArthur's and people, And so Cal is like, Corinth is probably a lot like Los Angeles, just a lot of idol worship, a lot of issues. And so it says here that basically Paul is, he's being dismissed. I mean, we know Paul is being the rock star of the faith, right? I mean, right after Jesus, Paul is the dude. And yet this church in Corinth is like, yeah, we got some other cool guys and we're pushing you out. And so in this chapter, he's, or in this letter, he's heartbroken. And so he's presenting his resume to them. Like, guys, did you guys forget who I am? And mind you, like, Paul is the most humble guy, so he's not really wanting to pull out his, like, rock star apostle card. But he's telling them, hey, guys, like, you do know that I founded this church, right? I mean, so I have some say-so in what goes on here. And and so he starts talking to them about, okay, these people you're following that you think are more, like, spiritual than me and who can do my job, you know, they're not, like, spirit-led. He's saying, here's what a minister looks like. You have the Holy Spirit is, comes to us and takes the veal off our eyes so that we could see Jesus. Because Jesus is awesome, and we see Jesus, and we worship Jesus. And we have our life and our freedom in Jesus. And he says here in verse 18, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Which sounds awesome. Paul's going to talk about how we're going to become glorious. So all ears, like we're listening, right? Yes, Paul, tell us how we're going to become glorious. Now we're going to listen to you. And then he starts by saying, yes, yeah, so life is hard, right? Like, you are frail. This life is fading. He got their attention and just turns it right around. No, let's really talk about what it means to to go towards glory. And so in verse 16, it says, So we don't lose heart. And so this is an encouragement that we need, church. This is an encouragement that we need. But the question we need to ask here, and whenever we approach biblical texts, right, when we're looking at scripture, who is the we? What we is being talked about here? We can't just go into the Bible and take every good prayer and blessing and then, you know, put it on a plaque on our wall and say, this is meant for me. So who is the we that's talked about here? because we will see that this is not common grace. This is not for everybody. This isn't general pop psychology. This isn't a health blog. You know, this isn't metaphysical existential therapy. Like this is legit hard teaching, brutally honest, practical, biblical teaching on how to not lose heart. This is the way God says to not lose heart. And not losing heart is a unique benefit for a select few people. So, who are these few people? Who is the we that we see at the beginning of this chapter? Let's read verses 1 through 5. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. We have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways... with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. And so what we see here is a division right off the bat. So there's a we and there's a not we here. So we have some, it says, their understanding or lack of understanding, right, is because they don't, they don't hear the gospel. They don't see Jesus. They have, they have no idea what's going on with the Christians, with those who follow Christ. And Paul says something interesting, like they can't see Jesus. Their eyes are veiled, right? There's something covering them, so they can't see. And it's the God of this world. They serve the like everybody serves a God here. Everybody, even outside, those who are at not church this morning, serve a God. And so he's saying they're serving the God of the world, which is which is Satan, which is sin, which is, you know, especially I think in Denver and in Southern California, you know, worship of ourselves. I mean, people just worship themselves, they're their own moral authority. They want to do what they think is right and feel is right. As long as they get attention, whether good or bad, like that's the aim. So when you have somebody like that, they're not, not only are they not looking for Jesus, they have no use for Jesus. You know, Jesus isn't going to like their post or support whatever they're doing. And we will get back to those people at the end of the sermon. Then there are those who have seen the light of Jesus, right? They have seen the light. This is awesome. They have seen Jesus. Jesus brings peace with God. It's so amazing. Salvation to those who repent of their sins and go to Christ. And so the people here that we addressed are those who would say they're followers of Jesus, as it says here. And so becoming a believer... It's so interesting that Paul, more than anybody in the Bible, is the one guy who really knocks us down, in a good way, in a good way, and says, all you Christians here, you, you guys aren't smarter or more spiritual or anything than anybody else, but it is specifically the work of the Holy Spirit. If you are here today, it's because the Holy Spirit has gone inside of you, has taken, taken that veal off of you. We would not have seen Jesus. The Holy Spirit took that off of us so that we see Jesus. And so on a Sunday morning, even though it's like 100 degrees outside or there's a sporting event on, we come here because we know Jesus is more important than all those things. But that's not because we're awesome and super spiritual or can read the Bible better than anybody else. And if we go back to chapter 3, verses 17 and 18... And just a note, if, if I do leave chapter 4, it's up to you. If you are awesome, like at Bible, and you're used to racing through and hitting all the verses, feel free to do that. But you don't have to. I will read the verses, and I don't expect that anyone's going to try to keep up with everywhere. But I'm going to try to stay in chapter 3 and 4 as much as possible for us. But in three seventeen and 18, it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, And we all, with the unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from one degree to another, or from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is servant. So again, it's the Holy Spirit that brings us to this. And so, are you a believer in Jesus this morning? Yeah, hands? I want to see hands. Yes, yes. Okay, perfect. Well, you're in the right place. You're in the right place this morning. And so one of the unique benefits that we have of serving Jesus is that we will have the ability to not lose heart. And so we've seen the background of the letter and situation. It's not good. We've seen the qualification to being part of the we here that we believe in Jesus and we do, which is awesome. And so the last part of the first part is the desire and the the goal, the aim of this, which is to, to not lose heart. Now, we find this twice, just in this chapter alone. Do not lose heart. And so there, there's some assumptions and implications that we have to make. If God, who is super awesome, and he is, and perfectly intelligent, and if he's looking down on us and saying, guys, do not lose heart, what does that mean that we're probably prone to do? Yes, exactly. You, I'm, you guys are awake. Love you. Appreciate you guys. Love you guys. <clears throat> yeah, so God is looking down and through Paul he's talking to us and he's like, "How what can I message can I give to my people that they're going to read 2000 years later and it's still going to apply to them that morning?" And it's like, "Yeah, you know what? Guys, don't lose heart." I mean, God sees it, Paul sees it. We're going to be so prone to lose heart. And again, I think what's important here is that in this we see God's heart. Right? God is not abstract. God isn't an idea that we kind of you know, try to grasp. But as it says here, like God is concerned, like God's heart for us is our hearts, you know, and that makes me happy. That makes my heart happy, that like God is thinking about my heart this morning and your heart. So what is it that will cause us to lose heart? That's the scary part, right? Not that God cares, that's awesome, but it's like, okay, God, what do you see that I don't see this morning? And so we see the answer in, verse, in chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. And this isn't an exhaustive list. I bet all of you have an example of something that causes you to lose heart, that that is genuine. But we see here Paul's specific argument. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. And so we see four things here. Affliction, persecution, perplexity, and being knocked down. And so we're going to look at these four things and see if they kind of apply to us today. And so first we have affliction, which involves, this would be more like physical suffering or pain. And, and if you've read Paul's writing, you'll be familiar with chapter 11, verses 24 and 25, where, again, this is Paul's resume. Imagine having a, a spiritual resume that looks like this. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned three times I was shipwrecked, and a night and day I was adrift at sea. And so here we have Paul. This is the guy telling us to take heart. Like, he's not even worried about what he's going through. He's just saying, hey, you guys make sure that you take heart. And so throughout history, the history of Christianity, and even in our world today, Christians are suffering physically. But let's be honest, church. Let's be honest this morning. Let's be fair, and let's just say that this one probably doesn't apply to us yet. Looking at how things are going, this may be a possibility. I do have, I talk to my kids about the fact the world that my kids are being raised into is one that could could potentially have physical violence against them. And so, although I I don't think that any of us are going to go outside and get beat right now, I think it's important that to prepare our kids for that, and like Paul, when we do see that happen, to just take heart and encourage each other through that. Now this one, I think the next one all of you are on board on. It's, oh man, we could have a whole sermon on this one. This is being perplexed. So this is when when something is so hard and difficult, almost impossible to understand, something that when you see it and hear it, you're like, oh my gosh, like, why? Why is this happening? Who could think that? Who could pass a law about this? Why is this a thing, right? So we look on social media, the news, or just outside of our house, and we're like, yeah, we see a bunch of stuff. And it's so perplexing, so weird, and so wrong that it actually is heartbreaking. And again, this is where I feel sorry for my kids. I was not afraid of calling people by the wrong pronoun growing up. You know, I just wasn't. And so these are things that are frustrating. And again, just looking into our our context of of COVID, where I know in Colorado, my church, we couldn't meet for about, I want to say six to eight months. So we were having online church. So we couldn't meet. But you know what we could do? Go to McDonald's. We can go to Walmart and we can go hang out anywhere. We could even still go to sporting events. As long as we had like, social distancing, we could still go anywhere, but we couldn't meet for church. And that's perplexing. That's like, what? What is happening that this is the one thing that, that's being like, like frowned upon and shut down? I'm perplexed when I see God created people who already have this amazing gift of life who then turn around and say that other lives don't have meaning or worth. Right? Why are we wearing masks to protect people, and then we have a line to clinics? Right? How is that possible to have a line of people in masks to go kill people? And that's perplexing, and that's where you lose heart. You're like, oh my gosh, you know, this is the world that we live in. And so I won't get too much into the history of Paul's situation, but they had very similar, similar things going on, where you know people would have like 30 husbands and wives, so they had their own things where Paul was just shaking his head. I cannot believe this. And it's so, even though it's not happening to him, he knows as the Christian church who's trying to be holy because God has called us to be holy and holiness is great. But then when you look outside and you're like, how is this possible? How have people seen the beauty of creation, like the California coast or even the fields, you know, farming fields, and still deny a creator? And so it's perplexing. And so it says here, you know, don't lose heart, even though you get perplexed. You can get perplexed. It doesn't say don't get perplexed. It's like, yeah, call stuff out. This is, this is silly stuff happening. But don't lose heart about it. Now, the third is persecution. Much like affliction, I think we need to be realistic about how much persecution we face uh, historically, glo- globally. Christian church and persecution, best friends, right? I mean, just... You go through Christian history and the history of the church, people's heads flying off, people being burned, not good. Even like as last week, I think I saw on the news, 140 people had been kidnapped out of churches in Africa, like Sunday morning, and nobody knows where they are. They could be dead, they could be being tortured, held for ransom, and that's pretty common around the world but again, let's also be fair to ourselves. Let's not say like we don't face, this is one, we don't face affliction physically. Like I said, we're not getting beat up today walking out the door. But persecution, I think, is one that we are beginning to understand a little bit, especially socially, right? And so if you go um, in social media, or for some of us like me, like just go to a family gathering. And so socially, it is no, it's not only not cool to be a Christian, like you are bad. You are evil person. You are a bigot. You're going to tell me Jesus loves me? That's hate speech somehow. And to be honest, this is one where Christians are losing hearts in the worst possible way and leaving the faith. Have you guys ever heard of the term exvangelical? No? So yeah, so exvangelical, thats a term I think, you know, in seminaries and theological circles. Exvangelicals are evangelicals who are now leaving the church. They are leaving the church because of persecution, because they don't want to be lumped in. They don't want to be considered, like, not, you know, in, not cool. They don't want to have a Facebook account that says Christian, you know, and have people leave posts for them. They don't want anything to do with Christianity if it means being persecuted. And I know a lot of younger people don't know this, but like in the 80s, actually, I'd say to the 50s, through the 80s, being a Christian had a lot of perks. Like, it was a good thing. It would help you get a good job. Like, if you, if, if you went to a church, people knew what church you went to, and so there was a lot of pride in being a Christian. Being a pastor, it's like, oh, that's so cool, you're a pastor? Yeah, I'm the least cool person on earth now. I mean, I'm not saying that I wasn't before, but, <laughs> like, it's, it's not cool to be a pastor. And when, so people ask me, I say, I will tell you what I do. I'll tell you about my passions, but I also know that the conversation will probably be pretty short afterwards, and it usually is. And so, yeah. Lastly, being struck down. And this has a few meanings. I actually had to go to the Greek for this. This one's kind of a tricky word. If you have different translations, probably all says different things. Struck down, knocked down, being made to lie down, put down. And so what's being talked about here? And I think this is more a collective corporate concept where, you know, Satan is trying to knock the church down in any way possible. Whether it's trying to shut us down during covid or you know creating scandals amongst staff whatever that looks like trying to knock us down so that we don't get back up and so that's what's going on here but it also it says here in verse 9 that we are not destroyed like church we are not destroyed thousands you know hundreds of thousands and now now that we're understanding more about like the early african church probably millions of christians have died have literally been killed and here we are We are not destroyed. We're still the biggest church in the world, despite all that. So we weren't knocked down because we don't lose, and we don't lose heart, church. Okay, so far has that been kind of depressing? Oh, man, yeah, I'm not being invited back. Darn it. Okay, so hopefully now Paul is going to explain why we shouldn't lose heart. Surely there is some counter information that's going to suggest that despite all this that we shouldn't lose heart. And so let's keep reading in verse 16 <clears throat> where it says, "So we do not lose heart though our outer self is wasting away." And I don't blame you if you're asking yourself, "How does this help?" Like, why are you telling me I'm wasting away? Obviously, I'm wasting away, Paul. This is, this is not good news. And he's doing this to basically set up the rest of the passage. He's going to look at all, all of this exterior oppression through a physical lens and through a spiritual slash emotional lens. And so he's going to start with the bad news first. And I don't know what kind of people you are, but I'm a bad news first kind of guy anyway. So give me the bad news. Just give me that first. And so that's what he's going to do. The bad news first, and here's the news. We are physically weak. We are physically weak, and man, is he going to make sure that you know it this morning. And so the reality is, when we look into the mirror every day, the mirror's not lying to us. You are getting weaker. We are wasting away. It's going to become harder to get up. It's going to be hard to roll out of a hotel bed. And when afflictions come, they're going to get worse. And when people throw rocks, they're going to leave bruises. And bones will break, and our bodies will shut down, and we will eventually die. And this is part of Paul's encouragement to us. And it's a brutally, like I said, it's a brutally honest part, because he really wants us to let go of this idea that this is the value, that our physical bodies is the most valuable thing that we should be concentrating on and focusing on and being encouraged by And so we see this in in verse seven, which is a very popular verse, but he says, we have this treasure in jars of clay. And so the good news is we have this treasure. We have Christ, the most valuable, beautiful treasure, and it's inside of us, this awesome light of God that was given to us, but it's inside jars of clay. Anybody ever had a jar of clay? So, or a glass jar? Yeah, so this isn't a compliment, so, I mean, even if, even if it's a very nice, you know, clay or glass jar, if it falls down, it breaks. And so you have that valuable thing in this clay jar, and it breaks. It's fragile. And then just in case you were, you, you were just, if you had any hope left, like maybe, maybe physically, I'm still strong somehow, and I could lean into my physical strength, He goes on in verses 10 and 12, like like Paul does, just beating down like whatever his points are. And it's beautiful, it's awesome. But he says, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies, which is great. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also be manifest in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us. Goodness gracious. We're not just wasting away. We're not just seeing it. Paul says, even what you don't see is that death is still at work in you. You don't even see it and death is in you working on you. And so as we serve Jesus, we have this affliction, you know, perplexity, persecution, being knocked down. We're physically dying. And as I said, as I said earlier, and Paul mentions that there's a direct correlation between serving Christ and just getting beat down on every level emotionally, spiritually, physically. And then we are given over to death like Christ. And I think this is kind of interesting. And this is the one part of this that I actually, it's like, why? Why why would you say that? What about us dying makes us more like Christ? You know, I think we even sung about it in one of our songs. But, I mean, here's the deal. When we think of Jesus, we think awesome, King, right? We were singing to King Jesus, and we should King Jesus is worthy of praise. We know Christ is resurrected, this awesome resurrected body, preparing a place for us, interceding for us, is inside of our hearts. And yet there was this moment that we we don't really consider that often, right? There was three days where Jesus died, right? So we know the risen Christ, we serve a risen Christ, but there was three days where Jesus was dead. And so if we are going to become more like Christ, if, like it says here, we're, going, we're being shaped in glory to be more glorious like Christ, that requires something. We have to follow Christ down this road that he paved, this most awesome, graceful, perfect road to go to eternity with him. But there's, there's a stop on that road, which is death. And so if we're going to be like Christ and follow Christ, then we have to get over the fear of dying it's just another step. That, that's just the rules of the faith. We follow Christ into death. And you can read Romans 6, and it's just one of the most insane, probably, yeah, most insane, cosmic, morbid, beautiful chapters about baptism that explains coming together with Christ, dying and being raised already on some level, like you're basically immortal. But also there's this step where in our mortal flesh, like Even though you guys are great, you know, looking people, you know, it's just, there's going to be that moment where you're going to transition fully into glory with Christ. And so in order to not lose heart, we need to understand that we can't take heart in our physical strength. I don't care how strong you are. It's just not strong enough to support like your emotional and spiritual heart. That's not what it was made for. And if this was the end of Paul's argument, you would say, Paul, you are a horrible motivational speaker. I feel worse than when it started. I've lost more heart since this conversation started, Paul. Do any of you have friends that try to help sometimes and make things worse? Yeah? I I might be that friend in a lot of my relationships, so yeah, don't be that person. But thankfully, we're going to see here, Paul starts with the bad news that we are weak and will die in order to get to the good news You with me, church? We good? Awesome. All right, so we finally get to the good news in verse 16. So we're going to read all of verse 16 again. We'll go all the way through it. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. That's awesome, right? That's awesome news. What does that mean? What does that possibly mean? We know that that is like the fulcrum. We know that is the key that unlocks not losing heart. But what does that really mean? And so this morning, I really want to spend the rest of our time unpacking that. And so I'm calling this five ways to live lighthearted. And when we live lighthearted, we will be renewed day by day, which which is what it says will happen. And so the first way is to live with the light of Jesus in our hearts. And we'll see this in verse 6. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And we know this is all linked because this is all in the same argument that he's using. And so when we have darkness on our hearts, which we already said, Jesus sees, and Jesus is like, This is not good. I don't want you to have darkened hearts. So you know what, in your darkness, I'm going to give you the greatest light possible to light your heart. I'm going to give you Jesus. And he will conquer that. So, and as we saw earlier, you know, not losing heart requires that you be a follower of Jesus. And so this is going to sound like the most generic application of the Bible, but, you know, if you're losing heart, go to Jesus. Thanks, James. Like, you came all the way from Colorado to tell us to go to Jesus. Oh, what a scholar, you know. but here's the deal. You know, I've been in ministry in some form or another, I think over 20 years now, you know, especially pastoring the last several years, and here's what I can tell you about most people. Most people, when they're in a dark place, they go somewhere, and it's away from other people. Separation, um, isolation, um, just get away, break away from other people. To get away to medicate themselves in whatever way possible. I mean, that's a whole other sermon, but they're going to just distance themselves. And that's why in my ministry, you know, if I see you here at church every day for like three years, right, you're faithful, and you don't show up for three weeks, I'm coming after you. Like, and people in our church, they get annoyed sometimes. I've gotten some very annoyed responses to that. But let me encourage you to do the same thing if you don't see somebody here. If you know somebody has been faithful and you don't see them, they may be sick, they may be on vacation. I mean, that's just reality. Or, you know, their football team was, was on the early part of the schedule, whatever it is. But there's also a good chance, I'd say a better chance, that there are sheep who's gone astray. And so that we need to bring them back and point them to Jesus. When we're in a dark place, we typically don't run to Jesus. And that's why the church exists. So we could say, hey, we're so-and-so. We have to go get them. Let's go talk to them. Let's intervene. Not that we could do anything, but we know who can. And so let's, let's bring them to Jesus. So we're encouraged to do that. So if you seek Jesus in word and prayer, you're not going to lose heart. And you will be renewed day by day. So the second way to live lighthearted is to live by the light of the Holy Spirit within And oh man, again, Paul is one of my favorites. You could do a whole sermon series for five years just on what Paul says about the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit just does inside of us. And so again, Paul here, it says in uh, 317, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So we talked about this. If we are a Christian already, we know the Holy Spirit is the one who's made us a Christian, right? And so we have this Spirit inside of us, and it says the Holy Spirit, one of the Holy Spirit's jobs, which is just so many, thank you, Holy Spirit, is to bring freedom, right? Freedom, it's awesome. And you know what? If you're afflicted, persecuted, perplexed, or being knocked down, or imprisoned physically, it's great to know that you have a freedom inside of you. But here's the deal. As I said earlier, most of us aren't going to be imprisoned for our faith. But there is such thing as emotional Imprisonment. There is like having a heavy heart where you're so burdened by whatever it be finances, broken relationships, you know, social media, whatever it is, where you do feel like you're in some sort of a prison. And so Paul's response here is like, yeah, well, well, here's the deal. Paul was actually in prison all the time. Years of his life, this guy's in prison. And he's like, yeah, but I wasn't though, because here's, here's the way it looks theologically. If the Holy Spirit is freedom, and I already know the Holy Spirit's inside of me, that means that I can't ever be a prisoner. And so no matter what happens to you on the outside when you're persecuted, you are never a prisoner. You have freedom inside of you. And I love the practical advice that Paul gives in Galatians 5.25. He says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And so that's to say, hey, like, we just had this cool theological discussion about where the Holy Spirit is and isn't. But, like, our theology has to be practical. And so if you have the Holy Spirit within you, and just spoiler alert, you do, you do this morning, church. The Holy Spirit's trying to communicate with you. And so if you're getting heavy-hearted, if you're starting to lose heart, listen to what the Spirit is saying to you, because I'm telling you, the Spirit is talking to you. You know, it may not be audible. I mean, don't just look into the sky and, and try to listen. But I'm telling you, if your heart and your spirit you're trying to hear, God will speak to you. And, and often just amazing ways. So when you have the light of Jesus in your heart, and you have that, the freedom of the Holy Spirit, you know, you're not going to lose heart. Every day, you're just going to be renewed. Every day you wake up, you're just going to be renewed. So the third way to live lighthearted is to be renewed emotionally in light of today. In light of today. Because here's the deal about this whole text, right? All these grand theological, spiritual elements that, you know, you could spend the rest of your lives trying to study are all brought about here in Paul's argument with the hope that you are going to be emotionally Okay. Right, he's not even talking about like something in the future right here. He's talking about today. You know, we have this hu- we have this awesome future moment where we're gonna we're gonna see Christ face to face. We're gonna have glorious bodies. It's gonna be awesome. But that's not Paul's argument. It isn't about a future resurrection. It's not about the completion of sanctification. His argument is: Do not lose heart this morning. Do not lose heart today. And so we see this in verses 8 and 9 again. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. And then again in verse 16, instead our inner self is being renewed day by day. And so there's a correlation there. Yeah, I mean, some people are getting messed up but they're still being renewed and it doesn't make sense. And if you don't know who Christ is, it's not going to make sense because it doesn't make sense. Nobody should be able to go through any of this and still wake up every day like, oh, I'm so blessed. I'm a day closer to being with Jesus. I'm so blessed by my church family. I'm so blessed by everything. And so, yeah, it's actually kind of funny. I was talking to my wife about this. Uh, We met in the 90s, and there was a song in the 90s, which she liked, I don't like. Um, But the chorus was this. And I think this is sort of the sum of being renewed day by day. And it's this. And if you know the words, I get knocked down. Yes, I get knocked down, and I get up again. Yes, and yes, that song is about drinking. I did not recommend to go listen to that song. But yeah, you guys know that that's what it's talking about here. I mean, literally, Paul says we're knocked down. All this stuff is happening, but every day we still in pain, get out of bed, and we are ready to share the gospel another day. Because God knows Bakersfield needs the gospel, right? So we have another day, we get knocked down, Satan thinks he's won, standing over us, you know, beating his chest, and we just get up again. We just get up again because Bakersfield needs Jesus. And we're going to, every breath that we have, we're going to bring to Jesus. And we're going to get up. The Holy Spirit within us is going to get us up in pain, fading away, and broken, you know, jars that have been taped up. And we're going to get up and we're still going to point people to Jesus. And so the fourth point, and this is the opposite. This this is the opposite of point three. Living lighthearted is to live in light of a future physical transformation, future, physical. So we just talked about today, spiritual and emotional, right? Like today, all, all this stuff is happening to us today that we need. But then there's also this like tease of reward, not even a tease, it's gonna happen. And we see this in chapter three, verse 18. And we all with an unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit, and so the Holy Spirit is changing you from the inside. Again, like Paul is always talking about all this crazy stuff the Holy Spirit is doing in you, and so we are being transformed. And in one sense, uh, spiritually, right sanctification. The Holy Spirit's talking to us every day. James, you need to stop doing that. You shouldn't have looked at this, or this can lead down this path. This is what you should do. And so the Holy Spirit is helping us become more like Christ spiritually, becoming more holy, which we're commanded to do and we can do if we're faithful. I thought this might happen. I get kind of, you know, wave my arms around. I start pulling off my mic. So, (laughs) Um, but the other part of that is, like we mentioned earlier, one of the reasons that we die is because we're going to get a new body. And so, you know, and part of Paul's argument about why, when all this stuff happens, don't lose heart. It's like, well, here's all the emotional support you need to not lose heart. And, oh, yeah, you're going to get a, a new body, you know. And it's such a great motivator. I mean, I don't know about you. But whenever you have something on the horizon, like, I just got a Vespa, which I'd wanted for, like, 25 years. And once I knew it was coming, and it was still a couple months out, like, I was excited, like every day going to work, excited, no matter what happens, I was excited knowing that I was going to get that. It's coming, you know, and I have it now, and I'm still like super excited. But just knowing what's happening in the future, that you are going to get something, that you are going to graduate, that you are going to get a promotion or a position, it's exciting. And in a lot of ways, it brings us through what we're going through in that moment. And so we are being afflicted, but we also know that no matter what happens, if somebody comes in and chops my head off this morning, like I know that like I'm going to get a new head. Like, and much, and just so you know, much better looking head, pretty sure, you know, I'm hoping. But, and so I have confidence in that. And here's the other part of that. In Romans 8, you can't really go through anything Paul wrote without going back to Romans at some point. So this is our, our moments in Romans 8:11 he says if the spirit of him who raised jesus from the dead dwells in you he who raised christ jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you and there's two things here the first is the power that raised jesus from the dead the way jesus rose from the dead if you remember it wasn't Jesus' power raising himself from the dead it was the holy spirit and we see that in a couple places and so just, you know, I wanted to go to this because it's so ins- insane that this morning, that power that raised Jesus, the most important moment in human history, the power of that moment is in each of us this morning. That's what Paul says. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, that power, that power that was so powerful, it changed all of history. That power is in you this morning if you're a believer in Christ. And, and to me, that just, yeah, you know, I'm getting kind of goosebumps. That's exciting. That's, that's really exciting news. But I also like in this verse that it says that it gives strength to our mortal bodies as well. And so he's like, yeah, that power is in you. That power that's going to make you eternal, everlasting, sets you up for eternity. It's already at work in you. And I don't know the science of that. You know, it's so far beyond us. But he also says that that power is allowing you to live a better life today. Even though life is hard, the ho- one of the things the Holy Spirit does is give us the power to have life today, to have love and joy and peace and, you know, all that, right? All the fruits of the Spirit we can have no matter what is happening because the Holy Spirit is in us. And so in this body, when we do feel pain, which, you know, if you haven't yet, you know, I hate to break it to you, it's probably coming. What I like to tell my kids is when you feel pain is to think about Jesus, Jesus on the cross felt pain, right? Jesus' pain on the cross was the pain that we deserved. And not only did he take the pain what we deserved, you know, he gave us life and a new body through that. So when you physically feel pain, just remember, God came down in physical body, experienced pain, took my pain. Oh yeah, and he's going to give me a new body so we can just hang out for eternity. That's the gospel, right? That's great news. And so the fifth way, and so yeah, we we will start winding down. Uh, The fifth way to live lighthearted is by making affliction light by the weight of glory. And just, this is one of my favorite Bible verses. And I know all the Bible's inspired by God. God is awesome. It's like picking a favorite kid, right? It's like, you can't do that. You can't do that. But I, I do love this verse. So chapter four, verse 17. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Now, the first thing to notice, of course, or at least that I notice, is that Paul has now dismissed our affliction. It's like, oh, that light stuff, like that just happens real quick? You guys are worried about that? And so, yeah, it just sounds so dismissive. Like, yeah, that's not a big deal, guys. I don't know why you're acting like it's such a big deal. But then he gives us the key, right? The truth, the expression that unlocks all of this, unlocks the heart that is not crushed, and that there's something heavier than what we're going through. There is something heavier out there than any of us collectively can go through, and that's the weight of glory. And I know weight can be something negative. Anybody else gain the COVID-30? No? I gained like the COVID-40, so I think I, I got some of your weight apparently. Um, so no, good for you guys. And so, yeah. And so also dealing with heavy matters. If you deal with something that's heavy, that's something that hurts you, that crushes you. It's something difficult to go through, but here it's talking about the value of weight. So you can imagine like gemstones or diamonds or... I know I forgot what car part's being stolen a lot right now just because of the weight of that material that's in them. Is it the alternators? Catalytic converters? Thank you. Yeah, so just... But it's like the weight of what's in those that makes them valuable. And so... Why do you guys know that? That's not good. Um... <laughs> But, um, so Paul's saying, yeah, so there's something that's so heavy, it outweighs everything. And so valuable, that it's more valuable than anything. And that is the key here to not losing heart. And so basically, we're being transformed into something glorious. We have this glorious future with Christ that's going to last forever. And so Paul's argument here, what he's proposing, I'd almost say like a thesis statement, is presenting a scale. All of his argument was to say, now you have all this information, you have all this knowledge, now you have to weigh it out. And this is where we talk about the weight of glory. You know, glory is just like, usually people would explain it as like God's visible, just awesomeness, just his holiness being manifest. That's why it's like Christ is the glory of God. I mean, just, we talk about how awesome God is. If you're presented into something that wouldn't melt your mind, that would be the glory although it probably would melt our mind if we saw it directly right now. So what he's saying is you have this scale and under you know, this side you have the world and you have your heart under that. And so you have persecution, affliction, being perplexed, being knocked down. all Everything that's going on in your life, it's coming down and it's crushing your heart. And we want to lose heart because our heart is literally being crushed. It's not good. It doesn't feel good. But he's saying, okay, now you have the weight of glory. You have everything you have in christ you have that future body you know about you have that inner renewal and you have eternity now weigh all of that stuff the weight of glory versus the weight of the world and if this is the most heavy thing ever the weight of glory when that comes down it lifts all of that off of your heart and so that's why it says here it's the weight of glory that allows us to not lose heart because in light of our, our future eternity, in light of the relationship we have with each other, in light of everything that we have in Christ, it outweighs anything that we could possibly go through. You know, that's why historically you hear about, you know, people being burned alive singing hymns. It's because they know, they feel that weight in that moment. It's like, they're not going anywhere, and they, they're being burned alive, and probably having people throw stuff at them, yell at them, and they're singing hymns because that weight of that glorious moment outweighs you literally being burned up. And that's Paul's argument here. And so in light of that, Paul is saying, yeah, so after all your suffering, it's just light and momentary. It's not that big a deal compared to eternity. It's just a quick little moment. And so one, another element that I love here is the fact that he says afflictions contribute to our glory. And so not only are is those afflictions being lifted off of our heart, but it says that those afflictions that are trying to push down on us are actually going into our glory. And so it says here, this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal glory. So not Satan thinks like, oh, I am crushing their heart. Look at their poor little heart, it's gonna splatter everywhere. And the more he's pressing down, it's actually giving us more glory in Christ, making us become more like Christ, which is lifting it more off of us. And that makes me happy. Yes? Yeah. Yes. Right. It's like so good. It's the gospel. It's so great to be a Christian. And so living lighthearted means making affliction light with the weight of glory. And so finally, as we come to an end, um, if we live lighthearted and we do not lose heart, because that's saying what not to do, what what happens instead of losing heart? And so it says here in chapter 4, verse 15, for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. And so the opposite of losing heart is that we become thankful. And that's why you remember like Peter being in prison, I forgot who he was imprisoned with, but they're singing songs, right? They're like, they're super thankful. Why are these guys thankful? They're in prison. They're singing songs and just so happy about it. It increases thanksgiving. Instead of being crushed, they're more thankful. They're more thankful for what's going on. And there's something also amazing in this, in this verse. You know, earlier I mentioned the division of people. Followers of Christ, right? Praise God for you guys. Love you guys. You guys were brothers and sisters. So thankful for you. There's also a bunch of people outside that, You know, in my 10 minute drive here, that don't know Christ and they're not going to church this morning. And they don't know who He is. And yet it says here, if we don't lose heart, that more and more people are going to increase in thanksgiving. And so part of our testimony is the way we live in a world that should crush us. So as we live in the COVIDs or we live, you know, when it's over 100 degrees outside, whatever's happening if we live in a way we're like thankful, you know, people are going to say, why are you guys thankful? That, that's not, that doesn't make sense. Why are you, why are you thankful? And then we could tell them why. And it says more and more people are going to come to God because of that. And God's going to get more glory just because of the way we're living, just because we're living thankfully. And last, I was, as I was coming out here, um, my family, we like to watch YouTube videos together. It's just a rabbit hole that can go any one of many directions, but, um, and a lot of it's really funny. Um, We looked up Bakersfield. Have you guys ever, yeah? Has anybody else looked up YouTube Bakersfield? And so, you know, in some sense, my kids kind of felt bad for me. (laughs) And so, yes, I mean, I could tell by your guys' reactions, you know Bakersfield, man, it's just, at least the people who have YouTube accounts, I mean, they are just... 10 reasons why Bakersfield, you know, not good, is bad, don't move here, you name it. I mean, it is just, I could not find a positive video. I think one of them was like, it might not be so bad, you know. And that's not me talking, please. I'm, I'm originally from SoCal, so I, I, that's not me. But what, what I honestly saw, um, I looked at some bloggers over and over at all their posts, you know, at their videos, and I just saw so much hurt. I saw people in their eyes and in their voices and what they were saying that, they are hopeless. Like they are losing heart. Not losing heart, they have lost heart, you know, and somehow just blamed it on the city they lived in. But, you know, I'm sure there's more to that. But I also know that Bakersfield is just a place that needs the gospel. It's a place that needs Jesus. There's people out there looking to blame any and everything, including their zip code, on why they're so sad and depressed. And so if we live lighthearted, and we don't get down and we don't get on Facebook and try to argue with everybody like everybody else is doing. But we live differently and we live thankfully. It says that we're going to bring people to Christ. And so my encouragement is for us, you know, especially you guys. So I'm going to go back to Colorado. It's a whole other story. Um, live in a way that when people look at you and they say, wow, what's up with you guys? Like, what, what's going on with you? That we could say, well, hey, let me tell you how to not lose heart. Let me tell you about Jesus. So uh, pray with me, church. We hope you've enjoyed this Vanguard Bible Church podcast. You can find more sermon messages online at vanguardbible.org. Have a great week, and we hope we'll see you soon.